Welcome to the Jason and Scott Show, your source for the latest news and trends in the e-commerce industry. Featuring host Jason Retail Geek Goldberg, Chief Commerce Strategy Officer and Publicist, and Scott Wingo, CEO of Get Spiffy and co-founder of Channel Advisor. Here are Jason and Scott. Welcome to the Jason and Scott Show. This episode 167 is being recorded on Wednesday, March 20th, 2019. I'm your host, Jason Retail Geek Goldberg. And as usual, I'm here with your co-host, Scott Wingo. Hey, Jason, and welcome back, Jason and Scott Show listeners. Yesterday, Facebook announced an exciting new feature for Instagram called Checkout on Instagram those marketing geniuses over there. Uh, So today we wanted to give you our hot take on that. Uh, I am excited to talk about that, Scott. But before we jump into it, uh, you are officially podcast cheating on me now. I am. I am. Uh, You know, we full disclosure, I told Jason I was going to do a podcast and he was very supportive. So we have an open podcast relationship uh, if Jason wants to do a podcast, that's fine. But I secretly know he doesn't have time to. So <laughs> when you're chief commerce, retail, e-commerce strategy officer, you only have time for one podcast, maybe. Um, so the, yeah, so the new podcast is uh, really kind of a spiffy thing. So uh, it's the future of vehicles. So I, we put out this framework called Vehicle 2.0, where we talk about Let's see, connected car, changing car ownership, electrification, and autonomous vehicles. So if any of those things are interesting to you, head over to vehicle2.getspiffy.com and you can find uh, the new podcast. Would love to bring some Jason Scott show folks over there. Uh, and then the other fun spiffy thing is we got a call a couple weeks ago from Lyft. Uh, they were having a big uh, event in Houston. It's a rodeo. Jason, I know you're, it's probably not your first rodeo. Uh, the And this is evidently a 30-day rodeo. Can you imagine? And we met a lot of the, the folks met a lot of people that go to this thing every day, which is, that's a lot of rodeo. And uh, so we did an experiment, which is pretty interesting. We we did a kind of a driver rewards thing where we set up right near this rodeo and Lyft would send messages out to drivers that were doing a lot of work on their network uh, and give them free car washes. So that was fun. We washed over 400 vehicles in a, a pretty short three-day period. Um, it was three days overall, but it was really kind of more in the evenings. So that was a lot of car washing. So uh, it's exciting to to partner with a company like Lyft. They're they're also in their IPO process. Uh, if people are interested in IPOs, uh, the Lyft um, Roadshow is available. It's a really cool about a 30-minute video. I think it's well worth your time. If you go to retailroadshow.com, the SEC makes companies now publish their roadshow. Uh, and it's a little known fact that they do that. So I encourage everyone to go out there and do that. Uh, unfortunately, it is only up there for about a week. So we're recording this on the 20th. And I think it'll probably be down by the 23rd or 24th. So retailroadshow.com, go watch the Lyft IPO. It's a really cool, uh, another kind of aspect of uh, what Lyft is building. So that's what's going on in my world. That is very cool. Uh, you, in one of your first podcast episodes for Vehicle 2.0, you broke down the the Lyft S1 uh, filing, which was also very informative and interesting. Yeah, yeah. And um, to kind of swing that back over here, the IPO pipeline is is just kind of bursting with, with uh, all kinds of, you know, 
convenience oriented goodness. So we've got Lyft in there. Uber's rumored to be in the pipeline. Uh, Instacart, Postmates are also candidates. Uh, and then let's see, I'm leaving one out. Oh, Pinterest. So uh, as these things come out, we'll be covering them on the Jason and Scott show uh, if they're a little more relevant than Lyft was. Yeah. Uh, and side note for longtime listeners, you of course know that I used to be a rodeo clown and I can tell you those 30 day rodeos are exhausting. You are super sore by the the 30th yeah, day. Your barrel by then, your barrel, your rubber barrel is is all dented. and Exactly. Uh, uh, fun, but uh, there's actually a lottery for which clown goes in the barrel every day. So you're not generally in the barrel all 30 days. Wow. We'll have to do a whole episode, a deep dive on um, Jason's rodeo clown. Exactly. Um, that one, that would be super interesting. Uh, and I, I did get a chance to listen to several of your podcasts. They were super informative. I'm right up to the point where you have guests. So I'm, uh, I, I've gone a full dose of, of uh, Scott Wingo. And now I'm, I'm excited to, uh, to hear from, I think, the CEO of Smart Car. It's exhausting uh, doing it without you because I'm not used to talking so much. <laughs> <laughs> I usually get like five minutes out of 50. And now I have to like, there's a lot of of a, a lot of space to fill. Yep. I miss you. I, I feel like that's true. Uh, we have an acute version of that problem. Uh, and then the last thing before we, we jump into it, I, I am too busy to do another podcast, but to be clear, it's what makes me too busy to do another podcast is my job as the audio engineer for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I learned from that. And we have a, we have a, we've got a, a person for that now. Yeah. That, thank you for not saying like competent yeah. person or professional person. <laughs> not nearly as good as you are, but they have a lot more time to work on it. So yeah, I was I was a little jealous about that aspect, but uh, uh, I'm excited and I'm a subscriber. Cool. Let's talk about Instagram. Uh, so if you've been living under a rock, uh, Instagram is a very popular social media network uh, driven by pictures. Uh, the kids in my family have a rule when we get, we're at a restaurant. Um, this doesn't apply to Applebee's or anyone basic, but if we're at a fancy ish restaurant, no one touches their food until we Insta it because Insta or it didn't happen. So uh, that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. So Instagram is very popular uh, as a refresher. It was acquired by Facebook uh, for a huge, at the time, record-breaking billion dollars in 2012. Uh, looking back from 2019, most people feel like that was quite a steal. Uh, and you know, at the time it happened, everyone thought Zuckerberg was crazy. He had just acquired a bunch of other stuff. So um, just a little history there, um, a reminder that, that Facebook owns Instagram. So Jason, let's jump into the uh, announcement. I know as the chief commerce strategy officer, uh, you probably you probably known about this for a while. Um, what were the highlights for you? Uh, yeah, before I jump into it, we always like to have useful tidbits on the show. And so I feel like the, the valuable one for this show is going to be that there are actual uh, psychological studies that have proven that when you take pictures of your food before you eat it, you actually enjoy the food less. Oh, I'm super um, sorry to to share that with you, but I feel like the Wingo family could actually be enjoying your meals a little bit more if you weren't instaing them. But I'll I'll put a note to those studies in the show notes, and you can decide for yourself. I'll try that with my kids, but um, I think it's actually more correlated to the number of likes your food picture gets. So, yeah, I sus I suspect that that is true. And who cares if you enjoy your food if you get new new followers? Absolutely. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So. The, uh, this is obviously a feature for Instagram. Uh, 
that for a while, Instagram has had the ability to pin products to organic content. Um, so you, uh, you can have sort of hotspots on photos and click that hotspot. And uh, there's been a vehicle where you could sort of click through to an e-commerce site that had that product. So it would take you out of Instagram to the mobile version of the, the brand's website to look at a product detail page in, in most cases. And so what, they, what they've done here is they've eliminated the need to leave the Instagram app and go to the e-commerce site. So uh, you now get a, a native product detail page in Instagram uh, that can let you do attributes. So you could like select if there were shoes, you could select a color and a size, and then you can add it to cart. Uh, and then uh, or, uh, there's not really an add to cart. There's sort of just a checkout button because you're only allowed to buy one thing at a time. Um, and when you check out, you enter uh, your your name and address and your payment information, and uh, they will uh, ship you the product. Um, and so essentially, Instagram is becoming uh, your favorite thing, a marketplace, uh, letting, letting uh, uh, primarily brands, and in most cases at the moment, digitally native brands, uh, sell stuff natively on the platform. They're paying an undisclosed uh, take rate or fee to, to Instagram. Um, and the, the hope from Facebook's standpoint is uh, we have people like in this visual platform that are doing a lot of product discovery and they have bought a lot of high buying intent. And now we're we're dramatically reducing the friction to convert that buying intent into purchases. Cool. I, I have uh, I've been busy washing cars and haven't had a chance to look at the experience. Uh, I know I looked at the launch partners and a lot of them were in the fashion category. Uh, in fashion, we have the the age old problem of of styles and colors. Uh, have they solved that, or did they just kind of punt on it and have a different PDP for each combo? No, no, they do. They have attribute drop down, so you uh, so you can select a size and color. Um, they, uh, a little bit about, it's a closed beta at this point. So there's 22 brands selling, uh, if you're a brand interested in selling, uh, you can't apply or sell right now. Um, you can uh, have up to five products in one piece of Instagram content. This is only organic content. So this is not an ad format. So you can't, um, sort of buy visibility for this content. You have to be publishing content that, that a lot of uh, uh, viewers are already consuming. Um, and they say that the way they selected these 22 uh, initial partners are folks that were already heavy users of the Instagram platform and were getting a lot of engagement and were already tagging their content with product. And so, um, you know, the, the, the apparel and beauty category, it heavily skews towards apparel and beauty. It's mostly digital native brands. Um you know, some of the, you know, so it's, it's the Warby Parkers and the, um, the Uniqlo's, um, there's some luxury stuff like Prada, um, Nike and Adidas to me are the big mainstream manufacturers, um, that are on the platform, but there's also like, uh, uh, Burberry and, and, uh, Oscar de la Renta and, um, Revolve Clothing, some folks like that. Very cool. Uh, yeah, so they do let you do those attributes per your original question. What they uh, there are some, from my perspective, limitations um, to what they do let you do on the product detail page, and uh, I'm actually going to hold off on hitting those now because we're going to kind of walk through some of the 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 pros and the cons, at least as you and I see them. 
Um, but, uh, you know, uh, we'll put a link to their actual announcement and uh, I'll try to find a, a product. One of the limitations is this only works in the Instagram mobile app. So it's only on mobile. It's only an app. Um, but I'll try to list a product so that you can click through it yourself. Um, they do have a video demonstration on their on their blog announcing it. So you can kind of watch a video of someone checking out. Cool. Is it iOS and Android or did they yeah. just put? Yeah, it's all the platforms that all the mobile platforms that are Instagram supports. It is also only North America right now. Okay, got it. Yeah. And then um, I should actually know this, but do you know, so, so uh, let's, let's go back. So uh, there's been a long history of social networks trying to kind of marry e-commerce and frankly, not a lot of success. Uh, what are some of the his, historic kind of highlights of, of this that's have been tried that you recall? Yeah, so this is a, it's an interesting conundrum. Um, there have been a lot of efforts at what I'll call social commerce in the U.S., um, like uh, particularly a bunch of iterations of sort of social buy buttons, and none of them have really been very successful. Um, and yet uh, there are platforms in uh, particularly China, but throughout Asia, um, where this this paradigm is super popular and heavily adopted. And so for a long time, we've always wondered, are Eastern consumers just fundamentally different than Western consumers? Are they, you know, more digitally uh, native and savvy in China and therefore ahead of the U.S. consumers? And so this will eventually catch on or, you know, is the are the experiences that that Pinterest and Facebook have tried fundamentally inferior to the experiences that that uh wechat and uh, uh and others have uh uh done in china like don't know the answer but i can tell you that uh facebook launched e-commerce on the platform in 2010 and there was actually a a pampers store where you could buy your diapers on facebook back in 2010 uh that uh really didn't go anywhere and in the the subsequent nine years They've, they've dropped a lot of commerce capability, some that wasn't adopted and has been sort of abandoned um, and others uh, that are that are still utilized, but are, you know, fall short of actually letting you do the transaction. Um, and so, you know, I think like 2014, they, they launched a Facebook buy button, um, which is, uh, you know, not not uh, in service today. But they also launched things like collection ad formats, which were like a commerce oriented ad format that let you have multiple products um in a single ad um in 2014 and that that still is used today it you know it doesn't let you go all the way to the buy um in some non-us markets facebook actually lets uh small sellers host storefronts on facebook and they're they're powered by shopify um so that's interesting in some markets uh of course, in 2016, they made a big push to doing commerce in the Facebook Messenger platform, and there's some some examples of that being useful. But that certainly doesn't, you know, have have broad engagement. Um, and you know, their competitors have had similar challenges too. Uh, Pinterest um, has has uh, you know uh, incrementally added shopping features like rich pins and shoppable pins and shop the look. But hasn't really, you know, been able to do transactions on the platform. Twitter had the the buy button for a little while and killed it. Uh, Google has some shopping formats that have buy buttons in it that aren't aren't uh, you know hugely successful and broadly deployed. Um, so there's a checkered past here, um, and it's 
uh, going to be interesting to see if now is the time that it works, if if uh, Instagram has resolved some of the fundamental uh, challenges or if the, you know, the timing is just right. Um, I, I have my own theory, which I, I promised to reveal by the the end of the podcast. Um, the, uh, you know, one of the things that most of these efforts have in common, and I, I think I did notice this about the, the Instagram one, is if they do get successful, one of the w- main ways they envision uh, brands being able to publish their content to the platform is through this uh, uh, company I, I, I think I'm familiar with called Channel Advisor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I was uh, as surprised as you were to see Channel Advisor in there. So I'm uh, not involved in the day-to-day, but you know, the usually when someone needs a marketplace integration, Channel Advisor is one of the companies that, that gets called. Uh, and then, you know, in the spirit of, of kind of, uh, Openness. The other partners that were announced were Shopify uh, and Big Commerce, which are more kind of SMB e-commerce platforms. So in there, it's kind of like an option where you say, "Hey, if you want this widget to show up on your website, you could also make it shoppable on Instagram." Um, and then uh, more of a competitor to Channel Advisor is called Commerce Hub. They're more XML-y, dropshippy, but but a lot of the similar kind of connections that we have. And so they announced kind of the four launch partners there and. Uh, Channel Advisor was excited to to be a partner. Um, I actually don't know. So I, the question I was going to ask you earlier, uh, I'll swing back to that. Um, when Twitter first came out, the buy button, we got in this really big argument with them because they just wanted a retailer to put this buy button up there and tell them inventory one time, and then they would keep track of it going forward. And we kind of said, well, that's okay, but you see these inventory, you know, these retailers have all these pools of inventory, so it's very easy for you to get in an oversold situation um, because, you know, on, on Tuesday, March 1st, when the retailer said they had a hundred of these widgets, then here on the 20th, they may have zero. Uh, they, they wouldn't listen to us. And sure enough, it ended up being kind of a calamity and they had to go back and figure it out. Do, do you know how the inventory kind of checks are done on this? Or are they kind of, um, you know, the better systems will do, you can either sync inventory up and kind of constantly update it. Uh, or you can do kind of a callback when something's about to be added to the cart. So you can kind of say, hold on one second, let me go back and verify I still have this widget in stock. Do you, do you have any idea on how that's working? Yeah, so great question. Um, I don't have a super uh, detailed um, sort of um, architecture understanding of the solution. I can tell you that... Uh, all of these 22 vendors have bespoke integrations, and they specifically mentioned that they did integrations with customer service and with OMS. Um, and so what that means is, like, they, they do have some sort of robust automated way to talk to the order management system of those individual sellers, Um and, it, and uh, one thing that's interesting to me, very often when a platform like this launches a service, uh, the way they, they, they do an integration with like one or a few popular platforms, and then they pick beta partners that are only using those platforms, that mm-hmm. does not appear to be what, what Instagram did. They picked 22 brands that were popular on Instagram and figured out how to, how to integrate with all of them. And so my suspicion is some of the these integrations are likely more robust than others. And so... You know, it, it wouldn't surprise me if the higher volume sites, if like the Nike and Adidas, there's probably a, a real time perpetual inventory system in there, whether it's pull or push, I don't know. Um, 
but it's not going to surprise me if a few of these brands, you know, are doing the integration via, you know, file sharing and and nightly uploads or something like that and and could have some some real disparity on availability if they ever ever had a product go viral or something. Yeah, well, I, I know I'm speaking for listeners uh, when I throw this out here. What would be really helpful, Jason, is if you could do some experiments for us. So if you could go order um, between one and 300 items from, let's say, I'll pick a random one here, Prada, uh, and then let us know what your 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 rate of receiving those and, and out of stocks. I think that'd be super useful. Uh, I would totally do that, but I'm afraid that, that that those purchases would come out of my Star Wars budget, which would be tragic. <laughs> you have a very large Star Wars budget. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think the park's going to be expensive. So so do you think this is going to kind of finally bring that Chinese level of, of engagement and activity to you know, the marriage of social and e-commerce? Uh, I don't. <laughs> so, so to be clear, like, I actually think this is probably a good step forward. I think Facebook and Instagram are smart to do this. Um, and I, I think in certain circumstances, it makes sense for the brands to take advantage of it. So I, I think it could have some adoption. I think it could be more successful than any of those um, sort of previous efforts that we that we highlighted earlier in the show. Um, but at the same time, I, I don't think this solution as is hits the sort of um, WeChat uh, level of of uh, shopping engagement. Um, I, I don't think this is going to end up being a primary selling platform for any brands. And I would certainly argue it should not be a primary selling platform for any of these brands. It ought to be a, a, a smart sort of secondary platform uh, that the brands leverage, but not the primary way that they're, uh, that they're looking at getting their product in the hands of consumers. And so in that way, I don't think it's going to have the same kind of adoption that some of the, the, the really big brands have had uh, success with in China. Um, but I will like, so if you, you know, and the way I got to that is kind of just thinking through the pros and cons of this experience. Um, and there are some clear benefits to this, right? So I mentioned early on, um, that, that, uh, Instagram is very much a discovery experience, right? And there, um, the, uh, there, uh, it, you know, there was a great quote earlier this year and now I'm, I'm spacing on, on who it was from, but, uh, I, I want to get, uh, attribute it to Katrina at Stitch Fix that like uh, Google saw or uh, Amazon solved um, buying but ruined shopping. Um, And the gist of it was essentially that e-commerce has gotten really good at the transactions um, of trading goods for for currency, um, but that we haven't really figured out how to do the sort of a surprise and delight of browsing for stuff and discovering stuff you didn't know you wanted. Um, and in the modern digital era in North America, the two platforms that seem to do that sort of serendipitous discovery the most are Instagram and Pinterest. Um, and so uh, adding commerce to a platform where people are already doing a lot of browsing and discovery experiences makes a lot of sense. And it, it frankly fills in a gap. Like there just aren't that many consumers that are 
shopping for uh, designer clothes by, you know, thumbing through product detail pages on Amazon. Um, you know, I know Amazon would like to change that, but at the moment, that's just not the case. So I think it's it's super smart and important that this is a discovery experience based platform. Um, it you know, we've talked a lot in the past on this show about the mobile gap that, uh, you know, the whole uh, shopping audience is moving from laptops to mobile phones, but they actually convert much poorer on mobile phones. On mobile websites, they convert really poorly on apps. They do better. Um, but almost no retailer or brand can get a meaningful audience with their app that uh, in, in almost all cases, the app has very poor reach. And so you have this problem, bad experience on web, uh, small audience on mobile apps. And Instagram is a potential perfect solution to that. It's an app uh, with a huge, uh, highly engaged audience. So it, you know, it, it potentially can be that, that solution to the mobile gap. Um, like all marketplaces, one of the big things it's bringing to the party is a bunch of eyeballs, right? And so there's a lot of traffic on Instagram that you get to monetize if you're participating in this. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of brands that even though you can't do commerce on Instagram before this feature, uh, that Instagram and other social networks are already a super important part of the marketing mix. And so a lot of, particularly a lot of these digital native brands, you know, really, launched by uh, creating organic content on these social networks and having that content go viral. And that's really one of the primary ways that they do customer acquisition. And so, you know, there's a ton of brands that invest a lot of money in content for these social networks. And, you know, one of the challenges has always been, you know, attribution for that content. Like, what's the ROI for uh, that great viral story that you did on on Instagram uh, that didn't have a commerce call to action. Well, now it can have a commerce call to action, and you can you can monetize that, and you can attribute that. So suddenly, you have a better way to uh, attribute value to all that that effort and content you're creating on the platform. So to me, those are all favorable things that would make it appealing uh, to to try this new platform. Of course, there's also some cons. What are the cons, Jason? Yeah. Um, well, so a big one right off the bat is this is a platform that's owned by Facebook and you have to enter your credit card information into it. Right. And uh, there has not been a lot of favorable news uh, about Facebook lately. And there certainly has not been a lot of favorable news about trust and security with regard to Facebook. And so I, I do think it's reasonable that Facebook is going to have a, a trust gap um, that they're going to have to overcome to become a commerce provider. And I think everyone that sells has this trust problem. And I would argue that Facebook potentially at the moment has a more acute version. And so that's going to be super interesting. Uh, in all these beta announcements, Facebook has been super clear that they're not disclosing what the fees are for this service. Um, and so, you know, it is going to be interesting to know what the take rate is here. Like, is it you know, a few percent that covers credit card processing, then that could be a great deal. You know, is it a a, a higher take rate than a than a sort of commerce based marketplace like uh, Amazon or or uh, eBay? Then you know, um, that could be problematic because these are all brands that have a, a direct to consumer economic model, and they you know they're they're not expecting to have to give away a huge chunk of those margins to an intermediary. Um, 
I mentioned it's a great solution for mobile, uh, comma, it's only a solution for mobile. And so if you're someone that doesn't use the Instagram app or uh, you want to do a, a discovery experience on a, on a browser or a desktop, um, this is not going to reach you. So the audience is, is inherently limited. Um, one of the big problems to me is most brands that decided to be a direct-to-consumer brand did it because they wanted to have a direct relationship with the consumer, and they wanted to collect first-party data about how that consumer was shopping for and buying their products. They wanted to build a relationship with that consumer and have a, a higher lifetime value. And most D2C brands would talk about how um, the, the value of each customer is much higher than a single transaction and certainly much higher than selling a single SKU. Um, this this solution breaks all that, right? Like you, uh, the the brand selling through Instagram don't get any customer data. Uh, Instagram gets that customer data. You don't get the payment information. Instagram gets that payment information. And in fact, at the moment, they're piloting a um, uh, an opt in choice to let Instagram share the buyer's email address with the seller. So, so when you buy a product on this from Prada, there's going to be a checkbox. You're going to have the option of checking that says Prada can have your email address. But if you don't check that, Prada's not even going to know who you are or have any way to contact you. Um, and, you know, in most cases, people don't check boxes to opt in for marketing stuff. So um, I feel like first-party data is a big downer of this kind of solution. Um you also have a problem that that uh, the first time you buy a pair of Nike shoes on this platform, you're going to have to enter your payment information into Facebook, which is kind of kludgy and, and a pain as it is with most mobile phones. But then Facebook's going to store your payment information. And so in the future, if you're on Nike's site and you want to buy some Nikes, Nike isn't going to have your payment information, even though they sold you that pair of shoes. You're going to have to enter your credit card again. Uh, but conversely, if you later discover a pair of Adidas on Instagram, uh, that's going to be a very low friction purchase because uh, Adidas friends at Nike earlier, you know, got through that that friction hurdle and got the customer to enter their payment information on Instagram. So in a way, you're you're giving customer data that benefits competitors as much or potentially more than it benefits you. So that's a little risky. Um and then there's just a bunch of tactical execution things that, like, I don't think as it stands right now, the Instagram checkout flow is a best-in-class checkout flow. So you can't use Apple Pay, for example. It's, you know, it's limited in payment types. There are all these edge cases that consumers sometimes want to do, like gift cards or splitting a purchase onto two credit cards or things like that. You're not going to be able to do any of these things through the Instagram platform. Um the best practice for entering a shipping address right now is to use a, a lookup database. So you start typing a street database and we find your whole address and save you a bunch of keystrokes. Uh, you can't do that on Instagram. You, you got to enter all the, the address fields manually. Uh, a huge killer for a bunch of brands is that you can't sell multiple SKUs or accessories or upsell the customer at all. You Each item is a separate transaction. Um, and then, you know, one of the things that makes e-commerce most successful is uh, having social proof on that product detail page, having ratings and reviews, having rich content that tells a story about that product. 
Uh, and, you know, there are no ratings and reviews on your product detail page on Instagram. And there's actually not a lot of rich media. Like the rich media is up front in the discovery experience. But once you get to this commerce experience, you, you know, you're not getting like detailed information and description and selling points about the product. So, you know, those are just a bunch of things that like if you were comparing it to the experience you could deliver from your own e-commerce site are sort of, uh, in my mind, inferior. And so uh, none of those are deal breakers. They just are less than perfect, right? So you roll all that up. And I was thinking about, gosh, you know, would I be advising my my clients um, to use this feature? And the kind of conclusion I came to is um, that most of those downsides are not negatives to the brand. They are negatives to this one channel. And so they limit how much success you could have on the channel, but they don't actually like fundamentally hurt the brand. Um, and so, you know, in, in my mind, if you're a brand that's already spending a bunch of money on Instagram content um, and you're getting organic reach with some of that content, then it, probably makes a lot of sense to try to monetize that. And, you know, some of the negatives I mentioned will like slightly limit the success you can have, but you could still have pretty meaningful success. Um, but if you're not someone that's creating a bunch of, of Instagram content, then I think you need to think really carefully because there's a major expense and commitment to this. This is very different than a, a transactional marketplace where, you know, you've got a thousand SKUs in channel advisor and you just hit publish and it sends all thousand of them to this platform, that's not going to help you here. Like you're going to have to create bespoke content that has tags to these individual SKUs. And that content is going to have to show up organically to a meaningfully sized audience on Instagram. Um, so I'm, if I was not on the Instagram platform and I was looking to grow, I'm not sure I would look at this as a primary tool. And I for sure would never recommend to anyone that they say, hey, let's not have our own e-commerce site. Let's not have a direct-to-consumer effort. Let's just sell on Instagram. Like, I think that would be a, a, a horrific mistake to be sort of a digital sharecropper and try to build an audience exclusively here that you don't own. So to me, it's a great secondary channel that could really accelerate things for some people that are already good marketers, but it's probably not, you know, the holy grail for for replacing e-commerce sites and and those sorts of things for for every D2C brand. Yeah, the um the one direction Twitter was going I thought was interesting and it'll be interesting to see if Instagram goes this way is so a lot of times people aren't really looking at the brand pages and following them they're following influencers, right? Um so I'll, I'll pick on a Kardashian or or let's say Kanye. Uh that's a bad one. Uh let's see let's say uh, LeBron James, right? So he sells Nike shoes. Um, and so he may want to put something on his content that's actually a shoppable Nike ad. Um, but it's like him wearing the shoes and, and shoppable. That starts to get kind of complicated, right? So, you know, Nike doesn't want just anyone kind of making an ad Nike shoppable. So then how do you collaborate the influencers and the shoppability? It's going to be interesting to see if, uh, if, if Instagram tries to go that route or, or if they just kind of stay with the brands being the ones selling things. Yeah. It like, that was an early question about this was, is there an amenity for influencers or even a way to track affiliate fees? Like if an influencer referred, say the brand did do this content and did have a sellable product on Instagram, if a, if a influencer 
directed an audience to that brand, could they somehow be tracked and compensated for that? Because uh, there's a lot of, of uh, influencers who, whose monetization, like, you know, do use Instagram as the primary way to reach customers. Um, and it is pretty arduous at the moment to do attribution on that. And so, yeah, none of that is in this platform right now. Um, you know, I will say a couple months ago, Mark Zuckerberg talked about the direction Facebook was going in, and he mentioned that commerce was going to be a major part um, of the the future of Facebook. And so I don't think this is the only major commerce feature that we're going to see this year. So, you know, I, I won't be surprised to see other commerce amenities make their way into the various uh, Facebook platforms. And, you know, I do think there's a a huge influencer community that's not perfectly well served right now. So I wouldn't be surprised to see some new products there. Um, but there's no no hints or indication that that is uh, uh, imminent or, you know, the next step of this. Very cool. Any last thoughts? Uh, no, I do. You know, uh, this this to me is one of those things like, you know, the bummer is as a brand, you didn't have this on your roadmap yesterday. You had a big roadmap of initiatives that you frankly didn't have enough resources to get. And now you've got this new problem. You know, where does, uh, Hey, Jason said, this is maybe a good idea. <laughs> where, so where does this go in the priorities? Do I bump something? Do I need to jump on this right away? And I, you know, I do think a bunch of uh, brands are going to struggle with, um, sort of figuring out how this fits in the prioritization uh, the good news is I don't think they're going to be opening this up to other brands in the very near future. So I think we're going to have several months to to watch and see if we can get any any uh, tidbits about how customers are adopting this with these top brands um, before anyone really has to make the, the decision to invest in it. So it's a little bit it's the kind of thing you definitely want to know about and be following carefully. And it's a, you know, uh however it plays out, I think it's an encouraging sign that, that Facebook is trying more commerce things. I think that's super important. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't think anyone is, I don't think it's going to change anyone's economic fortunes dramatically in the, in the near term. Um, and that's probably a good place to leave it because we've slightly exceeded our allotted time for this, uh, uh, abbreviated hot take. Um, if we've missed any questions that you have, or you want to continue the conversation, uh, we'd love for you to jump on our Facebook page or hit us on Twitter and we'll be happy to discuss it more. As always, if this hot take was uh, helpful, uh, the great way to repay us is jump on iTunes and give us that five-star review. Yeah. Thanks for joining us, everyone. We always try to give you more podcasts for your money. So hope you enjoyed this episode. And until next time, happy commercing. You've been listening to The Jason and Scott Show. For all the latest news and trends on e-commerce and shopper marketing, subscribe to us on iTunes or visit www.jasonandscott.com. 